0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. We all know what happens there. With a very special guest by the name of Mike Simmons. Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I am ready, Mark.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'll tell our listeners that Mike and I met back in 2018. I was uh, honored to be a guest speaker at a dinner for the Forest Grove Concord, and there were some great people there, including Mike. So I finally have landed you. You've been a busy guy all these years uh, creating this very cool club that you've created. But before I introduce you and we talk about it, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Mike?
1: Uh, well, I, I would say the... Uh I don't know if it's my claim to fame, probably not, maybe infamy, would be that uh, I was both uh, kicked out of college and fired very, very early in my career. So I uh, I, I learned what it was like to be asked not to return in uh, a, a couple of different uh, venues.
0: So that begs the question. Obviously, that builds a little bit of character, but it also gives you some perspective. What were the biggest takeaways? You know, I asked a question during this interview about challenges, but this is kind of the same thing. What were the takeaways from those two experiences? Because as a young person, I would assume that was maybe a little devastating.
1: Uh. Yes, particularly to my mother, who thought I was it was all over. I was done. Yeah. I was I was uh, going to be be homeless, and and that was going to be the end. But for for me, the what I learned from I actually officially wasn't kicked out of school. I was just asked not to return, which that's a different, <laughs> slightly different thing. Okay, but
0: uh, well, however but, you uh, want to frame it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was just a really it's a it was a really long story. But it was just one of these things where I I got crossways with a professor that was, it was really a complete misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And, but what I learned was that it didn't really matter as long as he had his view of things. And that was my first real experience of life isn't always going to be fair. So I learned that very, very quickly there because my, my appeals were, uh, uh, were not heard. So that, that was it for me there.
0: You know, you learn those hard lessons. I had to put myself through college, which meant I had to wax lots of cars to pay for those tuitions, even though they weren't as expensive back then as they are now. And I had a professor I was really disappointed with. I mean, he just was lazy. I mean, just downright lazy. And I went into one of his meetings with him and I kind of called him to the floor. I was kind of angry because, and I believe I said to him, you know, I have to work really hard to pay for these classes and you're not giving me my money's worth. And he looks at me and he goes, would you like a passing grade or not? And uh-huh. I think that w- that was the, uh, uh-oh, <laughs> uh, maybe I do pay his salary, but it doesn't matter to him. He holds all the cards. So I kind of put my tail between my legs and I said, sorry to offend you. And I got up and walked out of his, his office and uh, realized, okay, diplomacy sometimes is the better path in these cases. <laughs>
1: We, we all learn from those experiences, don't we?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I, I can still say today I was very disappointed I was not getting my money's worth uh, from that guy for sure. Yeah, I just I couldn't believe he was still a professor and doing what he was doing, but I guess he had tenure or something like that, so yeah, couldn't be, couldn't be kicked out. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to talk about a very exciting thing you're doing with your life. Mike Simmons is the founder of the Silo Auto Club and Conservancy. It started when he went looking for a space to store his car collection. He purchased a defunct Chef's Academy in downtown Indianapolis in 2017 and completely remodeled it to a space and Silo was born. The venue combines car storage with a private enthusiast club and an event facility. His club provides high-end auto automotive automotive events, concerts of all varieties, wine and spirit tasting, cigar nights, race race watch parties, say that 10 times fast, racing simulators, and unique automotive lifestyle events. Sounds like fun. His career has been in engineering and technology, having built and sold his company. And since 2016, he's been investing in numerous tech companies and serving on nonprofit boards. Very cool. We'll be back in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love because they're the reason we're here today. And we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle's stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint, and an extra layer of soft, Breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover, custom-fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order, plus... Free shipping, that's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. For collectors. All right, Mike. So let's dive a little deeper in the corner since you're in Indianapolis where they have that little race every year and a lot more events like that. Let's talk about this great, cool thing because you had a career in technology. You were successful. You sold your business, but you're a young guy. So I imagine you said, okay, what's next? I've got to do something. And you decided to do what all my listeners love. It's kind of a dream come true. Wrap your passion with what you're doing. So tell us about how the Silo Auto Club and Conservancy came to be and what everybody gets to do there. Who's a member.
1: Sure, Mark. Uh, Yeah, it, uh, it was certainly not, uh, was not part of the plan. Uh, My wife and I had lived kind of out in the burbs here in Indy and our Kids uh, went off and did their thing, and we were empty nesters. And we said, hey, life life adventure. Let's move uh, right downtown Indy. So we we live at 1 Virginia Avenue. I mean, we're right, right square downtown. And uh, I had uh, about 16, 18 cars that I had scattered around in different locations. And when we moved downtown, I was looking for just a smaller commercial building just to keep my cars in. Mm-hmm. And this much larger building became available, which had the benefit of being about three blocks from where I live, so it was it's ultra Ooh, nice. convenient. It was kind of at the right price. Building wasn't in great shape, and so I decided, okay, well, let's go ahead and do that, thinking eh, long term real estate play. Hopefully, that it'll be worth something more someday than what I paid for it. But it also is such a, a big building that it I was not going to fill it up with my own collection, and so it became. Uh, a bit of a, a, a light duty back in the napkin business plan, which is one of those business plans that as I tell my wife, it doesn't have to make money. I just don't want it to lose money. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's a little bit of a, of a hobby, you know, hobby rolled into a business plan together. So yeah, so we have about today, uh, we've got room for about 85 cars. We're pretty much full today. And, and, uh, we've got a full bar. We have, uh, kind of a lounge space we put on events. And so uh, all those things together have, have turned it into just kind of a cool car person's club here in downtown Indy.
0: You know, this is so cool. It, again i've heard this from many people i've had many people on the show that have venues somewhat like this Uh, they start as a storage facility for either their own cars or like you said it's a real estate venture and they go i want to be around car guys i want to do car stuff and this seems to be a a trend when you look at the demographics of uh, baby boomers uh, aging out they've got collections they don't have garages that can hold more than three cars usually and they need a place to put cars to have a place to go uh, or to put your cars but more importantly a place to go to be a around people that are car like minded and want to do things but you've you've taken it to the next level because you do a lot of different events right
1: yeah correct we i think the automotive theme is really the the tie that binds it's the you know the piece that bring that really bring people into the club but it's evolved into m- almost more of a lifestyle uh, kind of a club. So, just through a number of uh, a number of different coincidences, we do a number of musical events now. Musical, so, we,
0: so like bands and
1: yeah, really yeah. So we have jazz concerts and uh, we wow. do. We, we, We just started about four months ago, five months ago, maybe now, the uh, Silo Songwriter Series, and that's all local folks who, they play music, Uh, a lot of times they're playing other people's music, they play covers at small bars, that sort of thing. Here, that night, is there there are no covers, it's all people bringing in their own music that they have written, and uh, we typically have three artists on a given night, and there's witty banter usually between the artists and really good music, and they get to uh, really uh, show their own art rather than playing somebody else's music and that's been really been a lot of fun we've had a good time with that
0: well Indianapolis is known as a car town you know with the racing and everything that happens there is that part of the success you think of as you've developed this project that you're in that city with that mindset but also uh, I guess another way to say it is if you could do it over again would you still be down in the heart of the city
1: Yeah, I I think so. There are some other facilities. There's not anything quite like our facility in Indy, though, of course, as you said, there are plenty of these other places, West Palm, Naples, Chicago, West Coast, but there's not anything quite like this. Uh, We thought we would cater primarily to people who live downtown, and I'd say that's Probably a third of our membership, and mm-hmm. and uh, and the people who have cars stored here. But it's been interesting, you know. That's uh, it's really broader than that. In fact, we we have the uh, a good problem to have, I guess, right now, which is. We're full. And so the debate is we could expand the building. We have a little bit of room here uh, that we could uh, or uh, potentially reach out to some other satellite kind of areas because it's interesting, right? Between the car storage and the event piece, the challenge that we have is when we're full on cars, it makes events a little tougher to do because there's just not as much space. Right. So we need a little flexibility around that. And that's that's probably the current current challenge that we're working on.
0: To start buying up the real estate around you, I guess is the next challenge. <laughs> you know, and you're a victim of your success, right?
1: Well, it's it is good, right? It's yeah. what our my GM and I talk about is it's uh it, it's it's good news, bad news. You know, it's great that we've got that, and really our bread and butter is storage. But you know the the event piece is really the part that makes the whole financial plan really work. Uh, is to be able to host those events as well. So we have to have Uh, a plan for both sides.
0: You mentioned your uh, GM's at Jeff Hostetter?
1: Yeah, correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, nice to have somebody there uh, to help with this kind of stuff. Now, there are other things that you guys do for people while their stores or their stores are card with their cars are stored. (laughs) Oh, that was interesting. Mind switch. Because a lot of these places provide detailing services, concierge services, uh, all the kind of things.
1: We we do all of the above. So we have an on-site detailer who is it's he's a partner of ours. He has his own business, but he but he uh, uses the here uses the shop here for his own customers as well as he works with our customers uh, that have vehicles here on site. And yeah, in fact, in that world, one of the use cases that we tend to talk about, particularly for people who live maybe in the suburbs but keep a car here, is there's but maybe they work downtown. Is they pull the the. Lexus in on on Friday night, drop it off, and pick up the 911 and pull it out the other end. And while the Lexus is here, we clean the Lexus up, we get it ready, we Perfect. you know do whatever work um, he does a number of the ceramic coatings. I mean, all of uh, the great detail services that he provides. Right. And then on Monday morning that same person pulls a 911 in on one end and pulls the Lexus out the other.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. I love it. So in developing this business, when you originally went into it, did you have all these different facets pre-thought out, or is this kind of evolved over time?
1: Yeah, I would say, Mark, that I had looked at a number of other facilities that looked like this, and a couple of folks were, were gracious enough to just give me some perspective uh, in other cities around what their their business plan looked like and the kinds of services that they provided so i i had some idea of what we we wanted to do but yes it's been well the big kink in all this has been covid you know covid really I bought the building a year before we we opened it. It took a year to really redo the whole building. And then that was just literally a year or so before COVID hit. Ugh, and so yeah. so that caused us to have to rethink things a little bit because the event there were no events. So it was really much more about the car storage and how we took care of, uh, of people car- people's cars for them uh, and worry less about that particular piece. So, yes, there's been a number of pivots and, and switches along the way here based on that.
0: Well, if somebody wanted to do something like this, and I'll tell you, I've talked to a lot of friends and buddies that like this idea. They live in an area where they think the demographic works. One of the things you mentioned is you went out and met with other people and to learn from them. That's the best thing to do. What, what am I going about to step into here? Uh, of course, nobody could say, well, this thing called COVID's coming, so be prepared for that. It's going to basically destroy your half of your venue. But what are some things that you would advise to someone who lives in an area that doesn't have anything like this, but they've got a lot of car buddies and they go, hey, this is kind of a cool thing. I've sold my business or I'm at a point where I can retire. I have some capital that I want to invest in real estate, but I want to do something around my passion. What are some of the, the ways you advise them?
1: Well, Mark, I would say step one is really the the real estate piece of the equation. So for me, it made sense to do it in downtown Indy because that's where I live and it's it was very convenient for me. The... the One bonus about that is because we're in downtown Indy, there are a number of... uh, Indianapolis is very much a convention city for those that that don't know, which of course has been very hard on Indy over the last couple of years, but there are a number of conventions in downtown Indy. So for us to be an event facility and be in downtown Indy, we do more events here than if we were out in in one of the suburbs. But the trade-off is... Our cost of real estate is much higher here, probably right. double, maybe triple, you know, what we could have done the same facility for in a more of an industrial uh kind of space that maybe was a little further out of town. So so that to me is the is the number one trade-off. I, I think it would be in most cities without the event piece, it would be Challenging to have a facility large enough to be able to store enough cars in a true urban setting. We're we're just barely outside the mile square in downtown Indy, so you know you can imagine that the real estate uh, prices here are quite a bit more than if we were twenty miles outside of town.
0: Absolutely. You know, I know recently Patrick Long's Lucid Cult event took place in Indy at the old bottling facility, which was a wonderful venue. And I talked to some people, being a, a Porsche file, that said, "Why did he pick Indy?" And I said, "Well, you know, I know a lot about Indianapolis because uh, the company I used to work with, we built a facility there. So I used to go to Indianapolis a lot and learned a lot of things, like you mentioned, being a convention city, which I didn't know about. And it's it's a unique." city in an, in its look and feel. It's different. You know, it's not massively big like a Chicago or spread out like an L- L.A. or anything, but it has these wonderful little uh, unique quirks about it and the history and everything. So uh, it, it sounds like it was a, a good choice for you and a, a proper place to be. And despite COVID, it uh, sounds like things are going well.
1: Yeah, they are. And, and to your point, uh, you know, on the Lyft event, the Lyft event was awesome. I mean, it was so cool. It was a half a mile, you know, probably here from where our facility is. We had a couple of people, in fact, who found us online and reached out to us to have their car stored here. They're shipping it in, you know, for pickup and delivery. So it was great, great to have the event here. But yes, it's been uh it's a lot of word of mouth uh, for us. And so over the last couple of years, the the word is out. And and that's made it uh, uh, a lot easier for us to attract folks.
0: I like to ask people about driving inspirations, people that were very influential or mentors in their lives. Is there somebody like that either back in your technology world or with what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, I uh, kind of back in the tech world, I a, a good Good buddy of mine uh, by the name of Mark Hill was uh, was someone that was always he, Mark's. I love to tell Mark he's you know a few years older than me, and he was always just a little out in front. He also had a technology company, and he was uh, he was really a great. Uh, source of information and experience for me, uh, as, as I was going through in my own trying to, I'd never run a company before. I would never started a company before. So, you know, being able to, uh, to lean on him for a lot of good information was, uh, was great. And, you know, a lot of it was just real basic stuff that uh, I learned from him, which is you can't assume people want to buy your product. You got to go make sure that they want to buy your product, and you need to take care of your customers, and you need to have innovative solutions. And you know what you find is so much of what I learned in that, what I learned from Mark, is applicable whether it's a technology business or whether it's a it's a car storage event facility. You know, there there are many many parallels, and a lot of it just starts with having a plan, pursuing the plan, and treating people in the right way. I mean there, there's so much of life that uh, could be so be made so much better just by those those basic rules.
0: Oh yeah. Well, we all encounter companies or relationships with companies, especially these days online where I often Get off of a chat with somebody because nobody seems to want to talk to you anymore on a telephone, and you go, "Why are they making it so hard for me to give them my money? I mean, this is just ridiculous, you know." And you can see, you wish you could put the president of the company in your seat as a a buyer, a customer, and go, "You see what's going on here?" You know, I always want to try to reach out and offer advice, going, "Gosh, this could be so great if you would just think this way." But uh, sometimes there's these barriers that companies put between us that I don't I I know why they do it but they shouldn't
1: (laughs) well and, and it's when companies you know cool entrepreneurial startups right which I think my company was Mark's company was the same way you know and we ran those companies in a way that we never, I think in both cases, we never lost sight of the customer. And I think it's just the the more companies get larger and they get acquired and they start focusing more on, on the financials, not that the financials are unimportant, but when the focus is primarily on that, I think that's when uh, companies get into trouble and they lose that great entrepreneurial spark and that customer satisfaction that they typically have early on.
0: No doubt, no doubt. We'll take a short break and thank our sponsors again. We come back, I want to talk a little bit about... Challenges. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYA when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage geared for the automotive life subscribe today at linkagemag.com did you know that cars yeah is in the top one percent of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier rss feed for podcasts in the united states that's right and cars yeah is the only five day a week automotive focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at or through the website at carshow.com today to learn more. Let's talk about this uh we did talk about the COVID thing which has affected so many people and of course over the last 2 years boy have I heard a lot of stories about how that has uh really made it challenging is there a big challenge in your business career your life that you'd like to share and and how did you overcome that what did you learn from it so it ended up being in some way a positive experience
1: Well I I think probably one of the biggest ones we've had has been been the whole COVID thing um and you know some of that was was of a personal nature in that I'm very much an extrovert. I'm very much a a person who likes to congregate and Mm -hmm. meet with people and have face-to-face conversations. And, you know, COVID made that you know very difficult on you know on a personal level. So I had to deal with that. My wife, my wife and I had some long conversations about that when we were you know when we were both in the middle of, of that. But then also the way that it impacted the business because we really had I mean about a third of our uh, budget here at the club was around events that quickly went to zero. And so, yeah. and we also had uh, five employees. We were just staffing up. You know, going into that, uh, we'd hired a chef. We had had a manager, assistant manager, in uh, wow. admin, yeah. and, and so we were really starting to go. And then that happened, and uh, and then next thing you know, it's Jeff and I looking at, at each other, saying, "Well, I guess we we kind of have to figure this out." And of course, storage became uh, the biggest thing, you know, for us for a while. We we did do some events. We had some folks who uh, still were up for doing some events, but you know, it was, uh, that part was was pretty much gone. So we just had to pivot the way we thought about that. We had to change our spending structure pretty meaningfully. And, you know, it's really just now that we're beginning to really come back out of that. We're probably back at 50 to 70% of the event flow that we had uh, beforehand. So it's still, it's still work. Uh, I always like the old, you know apply the old quote of you know we're still getting the spruce goose off the off the end of the runway or <laughs> yeah. hoping that we do fly and maybe uh, fly <laughs> yeah it's not it's not easy but uh, but I feel much better today than I did year year and a half ago when it was uh, I thought boy this was a really bad idea what, what we did here
0: well, the thing that I've learned from many, many people is is be prepared. And you know, having run a business, be uh be conscious of your cash flow, conscious of the what ifs. Uh you know, we saw it back in 08, 09 when the economy dropped out and people saw stopped, stopped buying things. Oh boy, that was a, a challenging one. Uh that one seemed to well, for some people it corrected itself rather quickly, others it took a much longer track. This one It's kind of like this lingering scab that just keeps, you know, scabbing over and you scrape it away and it keeps coming back. But uh, I'm glad to hear you're getting back on track. But I think the key thing is always be prepared and make sure you pay attention to your cash flow and that you have a runway in front of you for these kind of things. Right. And and knowing when to stop digging because you go, especially when the government is mandating, you can't open anymore or for a while who'd have thought we'd get to that point
1: you know right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's just wild
1: yeah it it was uh uh, it was it was very difficult i mean we were at a point where we, we would oh the roller coaster ride where we would have people call in and we we thought okay we're kind of coming out of covid you know at one point and people would start booking events and so we'd start kind of staffing up again you know we'd book these events we'd staff up and then what happens? Then two months later, there's another wave and right. everybody's canceling their events. And so it's just really uh, was really a, a difficult run for us. And I think it's true of particularly anyone who, you know, events are part of what they do. Uh, was very difficult to work through those times. We were fortunate that we had the car storage piece, which was actually went up at that at that period of time. So that was that was helpful.
0: Absolutely. You know, two industries got devastated and many did luxury touring, boat touring um, industry, and of course, the car industry, which has been affected greatly, especially in the rental car markets. And a lot of these companies, and I didn't realize this, I knew they did it with the rental car companies. They sold a lot of their cars to try to generate revenue. And now, as things are starting to come out, everyone wants to go do something and there's not enough cars. To rent, so now they're and you can't buy cars uh very well, so that you know these guys buy massive lots. The other one was the cruise industry. I didn't realize that a lot of these huge cruise industries they basically scrapped their boats, they sold them to scrap yards, and you don't really get a luxury cruise liner built in a couple months. Uh, you know. So now they're all, oh my gosh, we don't have enough cruise ships. So guess what all this does? Raises prices, right? The uh, inflation word that we're all suffering from right now. So yeah, the backlog of this I think is going to be felt for a long time. But I'm glad you guys have figured out how to maneuver around this and so forth. I want to talk about a special vehicle in your life because you talked about owning uh, 15, 16 cars when you started this. I know that there's a first family hand-me-down car in your history that you shared with me earlier. And also, uh, BMWs seem to be kind of on your radar a bit. I'm a huge BMW fan, have many. I've got one, just put new tires on my M3 uh, yesterday, which I think I'm one of the only guys at the tire shop that was excited to have new tires. Everybody <laughs> else is grumbling about the cost and, you know, I can't even get the tires I want. So let's talk about a special vehicle in your life.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I my my folks were were good enough. I I grew up on a 600 acre farm in Central Indiana, so I wow. mean we were okay. kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And um, well, I got my driver's license, and I'd been driving for five, six years on the farm because that's just what like you, you did. You yeah. So my first car was a '68 Grand Prix that was kind of the hand-me-down from my my folks. A little rusty around the fenders, but. But it, it got me around. But uh, the, the first really cool car I had, and it was cool for multiple reasons, but uh, was a 69 Camaro that uh, a friend of ours had had. They'd run it more as a drag car. They'd blown three different motors up in it, I think. And it was just sitting in a barn. And uh, my dad and I knew them, and we were looking for a project. So we were able to buy the car from them and basically rebuild it. Uh, Pretty much from the ground up. And uh, we didn't do the paint and body work, but we did pretty much everything else. And my dad, very much a car guy as well, he had a 62 Impala and a 67 Firebird and a 39 Ford Coupe that never quite got. Done along the way, but the Camaro was really a it was a fun project because my dad and I did it together. It was really a cool car. It was a car that was kind of uh, quote unquote known, you know, on the west west side of Indianapolis. Yeah, it wasn't the most powerful car uh, at a three twenty seven in it, but it was it it did pretty well and it looked really good and it, it ended up being a really fun project for him and me.
0: I love those late 60s Camaros. They they just had great looks about them. They're just uh, one of those cars that's e- easily recognizable very quickly. I'm going to crawl into your skull here and be a bit of a car psychologist today. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would Mike be, but more importantly, why?
1: You know, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I think we all want to be... Sexy Ferraris or <laughs> Lamborghinis, course. right? Yeah, you know, yeah. or some something along those lines. But but that's not what I would say. I would, you know, I, I probably would think more along the lines of we spend a lot of time in Utah and down southern Utah. There are a lot of the rock crawler jeeps that you that guys build, right? And yeah. These crazy builds that will climb up about an eighty percent incline. It seems like, and when I I think about overcoming obstacles in life, and you think about what kind of those really cool jeeps are, and you watch them crawl over some of the boulders, and I mean, I've done a little bit of that, not anything uh, that extreme. You know, I, I think that's how I would probably characterize myself. Is I've uh, typically been able to overcome the obstacles in some way, shape, or form. It may not be very pretty, but we, we've gotten through these uh, these tricks and these problems and these obstacles along the way in life. So that's probably what I would say.
0: I've had a couple of, of guys on the show here that build those things and they're crazy wild. I mean, and I watch videos on YouTube. How are they going up that hill or through those rock canyons? Or uh, It looks like they're defying gravity to me.
1: It's crazy. You watch some of them, and you you know, watching them, they're within two or three degrees of going over. And I don't know how when you're sitting in the seat, how
0: you like know if you, if
1: you if you didn't have and you know they've got all the crazy gauges and all that that tell them where they are. But without that, I would have no idea how you would know if you're about ready to go over on your top because wow. it's because I did about uh, you know a, a much. Uh, l- more of a rookie version of that. And I thought we were going over on our top and we probably weren't even close.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. it's And there's been plenty of videos of guys that don't quite make it, you know, <laughs> and yeah, end up bouncing down a hill and so forth. You know, it seems like you like to give back. You were successful in business and uh, you invest in a number of tech companies and you also serve on the board of nonprofits. Are those are the ways that you like to give back to help other people that are trying to be successful?
1: Yeah, my, my wife and I both uh, feel feel strongly about that. My wife uh, has been as as active or more active than I have in a number of nonprofits that we've tried to support financially, as well as whether it's as an advisor, whether it's on the board, what, whatever, uh, what in whatever way we can serve best. Um, you know, there's one uh, particular one, uh, Youth for Christ, that my wife was on the board of. It's more of an inner city uh, faith based organization, but they have a one special program here in Indianapolis called the Wheels Program. And so they have kind of a mini silo uh, about a mile from where our building is, and uh, they take kids from the inner city who are interested in uh, in body work in auto repair in you know, anything to do with cars welding and they they teach these kids they have volunteers that come in and teach them uh, how to perform these services and and certainly as we all know it, where the labor market is today there are plenty of those opportunities available oh yeah and uh, and so we have that's been a particular program that ties in nicely with what we do uh, over here at the club and uh, it's been fun to be a part of that and, and see that program grow over the last uh, four or five years.
0: it's oh, tremendous. I love it. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners today that you've enjoyed?
1: You know, I, uh, I was a crazy reader when I was a kid, and I don't know what's happened to me, but it's, <laughs> sitting down to read a book, is, is I, I'm just not very good at it these days. However, I, I would say the, the kind of my Bible I tend to go back to pr- personally and professionally is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People. Yeah. I've, I've read it a half a dozen times. I give it to people. I've made my kids all read it because I think uh, it's it's a little bit back to what we were talking about. You know, from a mentoring role from Mark is there's just so many basic lessons that uh, that book uh, applies to and how we think about business and how we treat people. And, I, you know, I just have always really enjoyed it. And I, I think it's uh, it's one anyone can learn from.
0: I love it too. It's one of my favorites. It's a book I go back to. I did the same thing. Gave my kids copies, and they've uh, Stephen Covey. Of course, he evolved that into different uh, aspects of life. But I think my favorite is what I end up doing every day: is first listen to understand, then speak to be understood. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so important uh, in in everything that we do and how we learn. I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive today, Mike. That means I'm going to pick. Actually, you're going to pick any car in the world you would like to drive in, any person, living or deceased, and you can go anywhere you want to go. So uh the checkbook is wide open, my friend. What does that ultimate drive look like for you?
1: You know, probably for me, Mark, it would be my dad. I lost my dad mm. three uh three years ago, three and a half years ago. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, the circle of life. Uh, He he had cancer. I was able to spend a lot of time with him, you know, later in life. But back to, you know, him building cars, he had uh, restored, I, I use that term slightly loosely, a 63 Corvette convertible. Nice. And um, and he began to get sick at the end, and he, he was kind of struggling to, to get it really repaired all the way. But I've ended up with that car. Oh and, wow, cool! And, which is just really really great. Yeah, that the car was uh, unsafe at any speed when I got it. <laughs> I yep. Fortunately, we found a mechanic that uh, a good uh, C two Corvette guy who who made it safe. You know, that's the car that I would, I would really enjoy, you know, taking dad and hopping in that Corvette. And, you know, if, if, and then if I was going to pick the venue, he and I both played a little golf and, you know, I would, not that I could throw the golf clubs in the trunk of the vet, I'd have to ship them, but (laughs) (laughs) we'd probably go to Monterey. we You know, that area, we'd go play Pebble Beach. We'd drive up and down the coast out there and, and have a great time. And that would be, that'd be a lot of fun.
0: That sounds wonderful. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you've taken us on a fun ride today, and I'm glad we finally connected and I could share what you're doing there at Silo Auto Club and Conservancy with my listeners today. I think it's great. I'll put links to your website, which is very cool, on your show notes page here in the Carja yeah website. Before I let you go, is there maybe a success quote, a mantra, inspirational thought you might share with the listeners today?
1: You know, I, I I think for me, it the thing that I tend to think about is how many mistakes i've made in life <laughs> uh, you know uh, i've had a lot of great success we've had a, i've had a lot of fun personally and professionally but i think about uh, you know how many times it, it could have gone horribly wrong you know with with some of the decisions and mistakes i made and and that's what i what i tend to focus on is the fact that it's not whether or not you're you're going to make some mistakes along the way it's really about how you recover from those and uh, how you how you learn from those mistakes and and hopefully not make those mistakes again in the future. So I would, I would say that I would say just, it's just when you make those mistakes, it's just figuring out how to grind your way out of those situations, learn from it and, and uh, gain some wisdom.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Embrace those things. Uh, I've heard the old saying that failure is not an option, but from many professionals, failure is imperative. Because it steps you out of that uh, conservative zone that you get yourself into where you're not daring to do things uh, differently. Race car drivers, I've talked to a lot of them on this show, and those guys definitely step out of that comfort zone every time they're on a car. But that's how you end up being a winner. Sometimes you might hit the wall, but uh, I think it's a great way to go through life is to uh, dare yourself and challenge yourself and get into those uncomfortable places and then embrace what you learn from them change your mindset uh, it, it was a hard thing for me to learn uh a lot for a long time for sure
1: yeah, I, I forget whose quote it was. It's some famous racer that if everything seems under control, you're not going fast <laughs> yeah, enough, right? Yeah, it sounds
0: like some Mario Andretti would say, or <laughs> A.J. Foyt, or I think A.J.'s was, I uh, got halfway through the corner and ran out of talent, but uh, it, it's the same thing, you know. He, he, he You need to you get a little more talented to make it through that corner at that speed, so it's a great way to go through life, I think, so. Again, I'll put links to Silo Auto Club and Conservancy on Mike's show notes page. Uh, check it out. Check them out if you're an Indianapolis look Mike up and maybe pay them a visit. That would be kind of fun. And go to a venue or better yet, rent their space for a venue and go have some fun. Mike, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your stories with us until you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and thanks again for uh, for all you do uh, in the automotive industry as well.
0: Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I have fun talking to uh, inspiring automotive enthusiasts every day, just like you. Take care. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yes yeah supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling, yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. No, 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 no.